Amen and amen. All right, so I titled this message, At Arm's Reach. At Arm's Reach. And the reason why I titled this message, At Arm's Reach, is because there are many people in your personal lives that are at arm's reach. You know, yesterday I spoke with a group of men, and it was a completely different message, but we talked about a little bit about how people are just right here, and you can just reach them physically, you know, in, in, in the natural. You know, when I uh, came to church for the very first time, I shared my testimony with them. You guys, most of you guys know my testimony. I actually accept, accepted Jesus here in 2005 alongside with my, my, my wife, which at the time was my girlfriend. Actually, where Danielle and Adrian are at, that's where we were sitting. So you're getting saved today. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're an amazing couple. I love those guys. They're getting married in a couple of weeks, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> But we were sitting about right, actually like right there when I first raised my hand and said, I want Jesus in my heart. And it's because I had a couple of friends. I had one main friend that walked a journey with me about eight years to this point. And then I had two friends the night before that really spoke to Madi and I. Um, they were at arm's reach to touch us. They were right there. They were, they were praying for us. They put their arm around us. They were right there. And they understood the concept of at arm's reach. And I thank God for that, those people that were at arm's reach for our lives because we're here today serving Jesus, sold out for Jesus. You know, And, and I get so excited about um, this because you have people in your life that don't know the good news uh, about Jesus Christ, the hope that we can give to a lost world, and they're at your arm's reach. And God has given you everything you need to speak to them. He's given you everything you need to extend a hand and take a step closer to them. You know, what, what we really wrestle is not the word, because we, we read the word. We wrestle ourselves and our thoughts. I can't do it. I don't know what to say. We come up with these excuses, and God said, I'm not telling you you had to know what to say. I'm asking you to trust me and what I'm going to put in your mouth to say to them at the moment. And when we can have that type of relationship with him, it really becomes fearless of talking to people about Jesus. You know, the perfect motto, I, I bring it every week, the perfect motto is Jesus Christ. When he walked this earth, he gave us standards. He's given us a perfect example of how we should walk this earth. A couple of, just, I pulled some, a few of them out. But Jesus reaches out uh, in such a, a, a relevant and easy way, uh, you know, so personal. You think about when he fed the 5,000 people. You know, the story goes in this passage where they only had a couple of fish and loaves of bread, and uh, they had to feed 5,000 people, and, the, you know, the disciples are, are, are panicking because Jesus said, feed these people. And they're like, well, how do we do that? We don't have the money. We don't have the food. We don't have the supplies. We don't have the time now because they're all here. And Jesus reached for the, uh, the, the food and reached to the heavens and said, God bless this food, and was able to provide and feed 5,000 people and had leftovers. You see how it was at arm's reach for Jesus? I mean, you also look uh, when, with the blind man. And there's an account in the Bible with the blind man where, where he can't see. And, and Jesus is coming and he knows Jesus is coming. And he sees the need of, of a man that can't see in the natural. And he wants to give him sight because he's asking for sight. And Jesus reaches his hands and touches him and opens his eyes up at arm's reach. Jesus, uh, he gave us that example. I mean, you also look after the resurrection, Jesus went to the cross already. He, he, he rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. Everyone's rejoicing. Everyone's trying to figure things out. And there are two disciples that are walking and talking about what happened and what, where's this body at. And Jesus kind of intercepts that journey with them and starts walking with them and talking with them. And the disciples don't even realize it's Jesus. 
And Jesus gets so personal with these two disciples that even though he knows it's him, obviously, he doesn't say, hey, it's me. He says, tell me about this event that just happened. And he listens. And it gets to the point where they stop where they need to stop. They invite Jesus in, and they start talking, and they're getting ready to break some bread. And the Bible says that Jesus broke the bread, extended, and reached his hand to feed them, and he was revealed. This is him. And obviously, if you know the story, he disappears, and they're like, man, this was Jesus this whole time. But there was an at-arms-reach moment for Jesus even after the resurrection to reveal himself. Uh, You look at, I think, the biggest one of them all, the biggest one of them all. You look at all of mankind, all of mankind. How God, in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, created Adam and created Eve. And how, how he says, you, you have purpose and there's something here you're going to be doing. Just stay away from this. And obviously, you know the journey. The snake comes in. The serpent comes in. He, he deceives Eve. You know, just gets them against each other. Wedges this thing between mankind and God. And things broke and fall. And then we fast forward to Jesus because God has a heart for the, you guys. God has a heart for all people. And, and you look at, well, how, how do you do this one, Jesse? What, what are the at-arms reach for Jesus in this point? All I know is this. He was willing to take one hand and pierce it and get the other hand and pierce it here and just reach all of mankind this way. All of mankind. This is at-arms reach for Jesus. There are so many more accounts you will see in the New Testament with Jesus. Even in the Old Testament where God does his mighty work. So many accounts where, where there's that at-arms-reach arm, at moment that we can learn from. Now, when you go in the Bible, in the book of John, chapter 3, uh, there's this a very well-known scripture. It's John 3, 16, and I'll quickly quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes him shall not perish but gain everlasting life or eternal life. We all know that, okay? But let's talk about what was going on in that, that picture, not just the scripture, but what, what was happening during that time? Well, there was a man named Nicodemus who was a religious leader of the law, who, who was a Pharisee. And if you know the Bible, it was the Pharisees that really didn't like Jesus. It was the Pharisees that were trying to kill Jesus and get him off because they just didn't like the way, what he was doing. Now, they felt like they were right, which in reality they weren't. See, they were walking in a religious way, and Jesus was teaching the people it's a relational way. You see, the religious leaders of the law, uh, they were, they were uh, trying to clean up the outward appearance, look, look, make themselves look good. But Jesus was saying, hey, it's within the heart. First clean the inside, the outside will, will take care of its rest. And Jesus is revolutionizing everywhere he goes. Everywhere that he can touch and, and reach people, he's, he's revolutionizing this whole deal. And it's creating this uproar. And people are coming to Jesus. They're, they're, they're feeling the freedom of salvation. And Nicodemus was one of these Pharisees. And the, the, the story goes on where, where Nicodemus comes at night, in the middle of the night. Now, we think about that for a second. He probably didn't want the other guys to know about this because, you know, he's getting reached out by Jesus. You know, before that moment, Jesus is doing something in his life already. So he sneaks out at night and he finds Jesus and he has this discussion about the kingdom of God. He talks about the relationship. Jesus starts educating him and giving him revelation on what being born again is. He starts getting confused and saying, how do I, how do I re-enter my mother's womb? You know, he just wasn't getting it. You know, and Jesus was still there sharing truth to him. And then there's a point in the Bible in this passage where Jesus starts talking like a third party. Like he's saying him, but he's really saying, talking about himself. 
Because what he's doing is he's implanting something in his heart so when he's not here in the flesh anymore and he's ascended, he has that in his heart still. And he can keep going. And we're going to pick it up here. And actually, I love the message translation. Okay, so I'm going to read a couple of verses. Uh, John 3, 16 through 18. And this is Jesus talking. And it says this. This... Nicodemus, all right, and all the world. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. You start seeing the heart of Jesus and the Father, that his purpose is not to hurt or destroy anybody. He's here to bring help and hope, okay? Going on, by believing in him, anyone, and that means anyone, can have a whole and lasting life. So any type of lie that we're believing, oh, it's just probably not for me, or maybe it's not my time, throw that out. Because Jesus himself says anyone, okay, and that's you guys and me as well, can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all this trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. You know, those times where we feel guilty and we should live for God this way and that way, that's not God telling you that. That's the accuser, the enemy, the devil, that wants you to think it's God. You see, what the enemy does is, is he takes the truth of God. Because sometimes we think, okay, well, God is all truth. The devil's all lie. Okay? And yes, that is true. But what the enemy tends to do sometimes is he'll take truth that's just it's straight and it's good. And he'll bend it just enough to throw you off course. Just enough. Right, you look at the garden with Eve, you know. God says, don't eat this forbidden fruit, the enemy. Oh, he didn't mean it that way. He just didn't want you to kind of look at, you know, the, the, the good and the evil. It, it, but he, it's still good. You see, he didn't lie completely. It wasn't a black and white thing. He took truth and he bent it just enough to throw them off course and all mankind off course. That's how the enemy works in our lives. He tries to bend it. And if we don't recognize that, when we don't encounter our God, we fall into those traps. But God warns us and shows us every single moment, every single day of how to avoid those things and how to resist evil and how to counter and rebuke and using the name of Jesus Christ. Not abusing the name of Jesus Christ, but using the authority he's given you in this earthly life. It goes on. I'll kind of go back. God didn't go uh, to all this trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. Now check this next uh, sentence out. He came to help. He came to help. I'll say that one more time. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him uh, has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to simply believe in the one of a kind son of God when introduced to him. It is not God's purpose for us to walk in a, in a road of destruction. We have chosen that if we reject Jesus, it's like saying, oh, I'll pay my own penalty. I'll pay it for myself. I mean, it's like you get a speeding ticket, okay? And this speeding ticket costs $300 because you broke the law. You broke the law, and you're first thing you're like, oh, what am, where am I going to get this money at? What am I going to do? Or maybe you had the money, and that's just a waste of money, but you broke the law. And imagine yourself going to the police station and saying, here's my ticket, you know, here's, here's my money. And the officer on the other side of the glass says, uh, uh, someone paid for it already. Now, there's two things that are going to happen with you, okay? One, woo, yeah, I'm going out to eat, you know? <laughs> you guys awake? <laughs> Or number two, no, 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 no. I, I, I broke the law. 
I'll pay it. And then an argument's going to come. Right? No, 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 someone paid it for you. No, 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 no. I did it. I pay it. It's been paid for. How silly does that sound? You know? Are you one or are you two? You see, so when, when we get introduced to everlasting life and eternal life and we, we start learning and seeing uh, who Jesus is and relationally, uh, who Jesus is through forgiveness and mercy, we all had a choice to make. And choices are still happening. Will I accept him paying it for me, which is eternal damnation apart from God forever? Or will I try to pay it on my own? You see, and a lot of times as people don't, don't it's not like they're intending to reject Jesus in a, in a well, he's not a God. It's, it's uh, most of the times when you pay attention, it's more of a realm of, well, I'm not worthy of receiving that, so I have to pay it myself. And that's because of a lack of knowledge. And it is important that we model what Jesus did and continue to be at arm's reach in these people's lives. Because when you're at arm's reach with these people's lives, impact starts happening. Things start moving on the behalf of God. You see this through Jesus. Jesus said in the scripture he came to help. The reason why he was here on earth, walking this earth, because he came to help, not hurt, not accuse, but help and bring hope to a dying and lost world. Jesus helped by reaching, by extending, and making himself available. That's what he did when he walked on earth. He was reaching out, he was extending himself, and he was making himself available. Think about Nicodemus for a second. You try to wake me up two in the morning, I don't know, you know? But two in the morning for Jesus, he made himself available. I say that jokingly, obviously, but don't call me. (laughs) But what I'm saying is this. Jesus extended. Jesus made himself available. Jesus reached out, and that's where impact was happening. That's where impact was happening. A religious leader of the law, someone that was so consumed in this, was starting to hear truth. And was kind of, yeah, maybe I don't want no one to know, but I, I need to go check this out. How many people in our life, in our lives right now that we have where they're curious, but maybe they just don't want no one to know? Will you make yourself available for them? Will you be at arm's reach for them? Will you extend yourself to them to create an opportunity to speak truth in their life? You know, and an ultimate demonstration of Jesus making himself available, extending himself, and, and reaching out was simply God coming in the flesh form. God coming out of heaven and, and into the Virgin Mary and birthing out as Jesus himself. That was probably the ultimate outreach. We do some great outreaches. Holland Rescue Mission, they do some great things. You know, a powerhouse, they do some great things. But the ultimate was heaven coming down to earth and doing a all-mankind outreach. Jesus Christ, he demonstrates that. And we have to do the same, church, because as a church, we are called to do that. So many times we get caught up in this church uh, definition of what church really is, and then we hear this type of preaching, and it's like, you know, not to just throw anybody under, but I'm going to speak truth. Oh, you know, we are the church, and we are the hands and feet of Christ. We get that knowledge, but what do we do? How do we think? You know, we don't just go to church. We are the church. We should never be asking what the church can do for me. We shouldn't be saying, well, what can the church do for me? Because it's never been about a me. The church is about we. The church is about we. What can we do 
to make an impact in God's kingdom. Understand that the church doesn't exist for us, but we, the church, exist for the world. We preserve the world and we serve the world. And when we get caught up in this mess of, well, they just don't got their act straight, so I'm just going to cut my, my ties with them, you know, and, and just not even, just kind of ignore them and just, okay, whatever, you know. We, we start falling into what the Pharisees did and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the law did. You know, there's a difference between being influenced by evil and then confronting it and being a light to that arena, and God wants you to be a light. Holy is not, being holy, walking in a blameless holy life is not saying, okay, God, I'm going to walk around and, and just avoid everyone and everything that's around you. I'm not going here. I'm not going there. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And I guess the heart is right, but the approach is so wrong. It is so wrong because holy is just separating yourself from just being influenced by the world and being in tune with what God wants for your life. That's what holy is. It's not a perfection, get perfect and get right, because the Bible says you've been made right by Christ's obedience. You can't earn to be right. You've been made right. It's you now, the moment you say yes to Jesus. But what, but what God wants us to do is he wants us to separate from the influence of this world, let the kingdom of God influence us, and then we become an influence for the world. We become that influence. So as a church, we're here to serve the world. We're here to preserve it as well, too. I mean, think about it. God poured his own spirit on this earth so we can do something. He understood we were messing this whole thing up. And he says, I'm going to not only send my son, but I'm going to give him a promise that's still here today. I'm going to pour my spirit. Look in, books, in the book of Acts chapter 2. Read it. He poured his spirit on this earth so we can make an impact, so we can do stuff like the great Thanksgiving baker, so we can have church, so we can do powerhouse, so we can go to our works and just be a light in a dark world. He did that for us. You know, there are two accounts in the Bible. I'm not reading it, but you ready to jot these notes down, okay? It's in Matthew 18, and it's also in Luke chapter 15, okay? Matthew 18, Luke 15. And this is uh, the parable or the, the story that Jesus talks about the lost sheep, okay? The, the, the 99 and then the one lost sheep. And if you look at this story, the illustration of it, the, the love of a shepherd, okay, for a sheep, he was willing to leave the 99 who were just fine in pursuit of the one that was probably not doing well especially alone. And he looks at his flock, and I imagine this, this shepherd looking at his flock and count, where's Bob at? Where's Bob? You know, he's looking, I, I named him Bob, okay? All right, where, where, where is he at? You know, and he, he, he leaves the flock, and he goes to pursue the one sheep. And the story goes on as he finds them, and they rejoice. And Jesus kind of ties that in with us being, with the great commission of us reaching those that are, are, are lost as well. You know, that story is another example of Jesus just teaching us on how to just act and be at arm's reach with people in our lives. That was just a shepherd and the sheep. Check out John 10, 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. Okay? I mean, uh, Hebrews 13, 20 says, the great shepherd of the sheep. They call Jesus the great shepherd. So Jesus did the exact same thing in our lives that, you know, 15 years or 13 years ago when I was back there and my wife was back there, I encountered this shepherd. I was that one lost sheep. At one point, you were as well, too, when you didn't have Christ in your life. Well, I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a godly home, and yeah, but you still had to make the decision. See, you had good morals. You had good principles. You followed rules. 
But there's a point in your life where you have to say yes to a savior and say, I serve you now. There's a difference. There's a big difference. And we have to have an understanding that God wants us to get on the kingdom side of things. He wants us to be an impact and an influence. Culture is, is today and probably forever uh, has been shaping people on how they are. You know, we even talk about it. There are many great cultures out there, uh, but there are some ungodly cultures out there, too, that is just not good. It is just not good. I mean, when we look in the Bible, there's a story with Jesus. Uh, he's walking with his disciples, and he gets a little tired, naturally gets tired and a little hungry and thirsty. And um, disciples, okay, we're going to leave real quick. You hang out here. They sit him down on, uh, by this well, and, and, and they go off. And it says that the Samaritan woman, okay, a woman comes up to this well and encounters Jesus. Now, she's Samaritan, and Jesus is a Jew. And culture then was those two groups did not associate with each other. They didn't talk with each other. And so I imagine this lady coming up and sees this Jew and just kind of like, okay, I'm minding my business. I don't know what he's doing here, you know, and kind of just this thing. And Jesus just kind of breaks culture for a second and says, hey, can you give me something to drink? Can you draw me something to drink? And the, the lady kind of like, well, I see it in my head, okay? That's how I see it. It's like a movie in my head, all right? I can see her raising her eyebrow like, what are you doing associating with me? You know, because culture says we don't talk to each other. And Jesus says, only if you knew who I was. And starts revealing at arm's reach, people. He, she's right there. And he starts doing this at arm's reach moment. And starts revealing himself of who he is. Only if you knew who I was, I will give you everlasting water where you will never go thirsty again. And just has this conversation. And I can see them going back and forth. And this, this lady getting filled by Jesus. And then she, the, the Bible says that she left her stuff there. And she ran back to the village in the town. And says, hey, I think I found this Messiah, this Christ. And for one moment, at least that moment, she forgot about her culture. Because she was culture driven by the kingdom of God. You see what I'm saying? Because of Jesus being at arm's reach with one person, it revolutionized and changed a woman's life. And who knows what she did after that? Who knows what she did? Again, you know, it's just one of those things where we have these moments, these at-reach moments with people that we can be an impact on. It's not what's your education or how long you've been a believer. Just give them what you're experiencing. Them. Teach them what you already know that God's been teaching you. And let the Spirit of God do the rest. You guys can do this. In John 4, 35, Jesus says, You know the saying for months between planting and harvesting, uh, four months between planting and harvest. He goes, but I say, wake up, okay, and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And Jesus is referring to people here. He uses an illustration of, of this, these seasonal crops and this harvest time, which is, yeah, we, we still have that today. But he's saying, look, the harvest, if people, it's ripe. And when they're ripe, they're ready to be picked. And when we are at arms reach to pick these people, to bring them into the kingdom of God, we start growing. We start teaching. You start seeing people's lives changing because they simply want to love and serve Jesus. And then they'll become at arm reach moments for them in their life as well, too. Uh, I worked at uh, a factory for about four and a half years back in 2010 to 2014. Um, you guys knew I worked at Gentex Corporation while I was youth pastor at the same time. What a fun season. It was awesome. So <laughs> it, was, it was good, though. Uh, and I remember being in this um, fish tank. That's what I'm going to call it, okay? And if you guys knew the corporation, there's a department called Electrical Assembly, EA. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Yep, okay. So you, at, at the uh, um, centennial side of the building, there was a second level, and there was glass on top, okay? And at that glass on top, people would take tours a while, and they would watch kind of down on all these people as we're working. And I remember us workers uh, would say, man, it's like we're a fish in a tank, man. We're just being watched and looked at, you know? And we're still working, and they're kind of like, you know, I remember a kid, like, waving at us. <laughs> All right, you know, <laughs> get back to work. No, I'm just joking. They didn't do that. But, you know, I remember being in that scenario, and it was a big department at the time, and they're still growing. It's pretty cool. Uh, but it was just a big, big area already. And I remember walking down my line. I, th- I-, I might have had to go to the break room or something happened. And I came back, and, like, I heard God stop me, and he said, look around. And I could see all the people. I could see them all there. And I said, okay. I I remember now, I was getting frustrated, just flustered with, like, no one's listening to you, Jesus. You know, it's just that moment. He said, look around. He's like, if you give up, he goes, who else is going to do this for me? He's like, I called you there. Then he had said, look at this as a pond. And I started seeing the pond, kind of visualizing it. He says, and these people are those fish. He goes, and you're sitting on a boat. He goes, didn't I call you to cast your reel? He goes, you simply have to just cast a reel and watch me do the rest. And because of that, people came to Christ and are here today. I was sharing this with the men's yesterday. You know, I called one of my friends out. He's out in the back over there. Yeah, man, and he's just one of the guys. He was my trainer, you know. For a moment, he was my boss. But God interfered in his life and started doing stuff in his life. Now we serve the great high king together. We're brothers now in Christ because he was at arm's reach. Many, many moments about that. You know, Jesus says the harvest is ready. People are ready. They're waiting. They're waiting. They need to be picked. Who are going to be the hands and feet to reach out and, and, and do something about it? And church, I say it's us. I say it's time to get out of these four walls, accept the world that we're in, and start being uh, and preaching and doing kingdom work in the world that we're at. And when we do that, we, we, we gain more territory for God. We make a bigger impact for God. I'm going to close it with a few things to do to reach people. And the first thing is this. In order to be at arm's reach with people and to make an impact and do something, number one is pray for the people that you can reach. Pray for them right now. Well, they're hard to reach. and No, no, pray for them right now that God's going to do something right now. Okay? As prayer, by the way, is always a first step to everything in our lives. Pray for those people right now. Romans 10.1 says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. It's simple. Pray to God that maybe you have that opportunity. Maybe a couple of you guys can hook up and have opportunities to just intercept the path that they're on and start bringing them to the path of the kingdom of God. Prayer. It starts with prayer. Number two, don't worry about the other th- what others think. Don't worry about it. A lot of times that stops us. That holds us back. You know, and we're, well, there's people around here, man. I, I don't know if I should do it right now. Maybe God, I'll wait just a little bit. Wait, wait till everyone leaves. I'm, say, I'm, I'm so thankful Jesus didn't do that. Because let me tell you something. There was a lot of people that had opinions in his time when he walked. And it's so funny because he knew their thoughts, the Bible said. And he would confront it. Don't. Don't, have a, don't care about what other people think. Do what God is calling you to do and, and walk in the obedience he has for you. John 4, 27 and 28 says this. Just then his disciples came back. And this is, again, that, that, that Samaritan woman with, with Jesus uh, by the well. Now, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask. So thoughts are happening in the disciples. Oh, man, a Samaritan and Jesus, they're talking. What, what's going on? Culture doesn't 
Call us to do that. But Jesus didn't care. He still did it. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? They, they didn't have the nerve to say that. 28, the woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Not worrying, what I'm saying is this, not worrying about others' opinions gave freedom to that lady. Jesus didn't care what the disciples thought, people that he was really close to. Sometimes we are so concerned about what our family thinks, but we know what the right things to do. Family is so important and needs to be in our lives, but God says, hey, me first. Listen to what I have for you, okay? And the third one is this. Number one, again, I'll recap. Pray for the people that you can reach. Number two, don't worry about what others think. Number three, make sharing the gospel a priority in our lives. Make sharing the gospel a priority. God, where are you gonna take me today? Who can I share some good news? Or who can I just walk side by side with? where I'm at arm's reach. When you make it a priority, opportunities just show up. They just show up. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said this uh, to them, to the people. He said, go into all the world, to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. (laughs) Very simple. Not complex, not difficult, very simple. We make it difficult. We complicate God. We complicate his plan. But God's saying, hey, I'm gonna give it to you one step at a time. One step at a time. Understand that in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet speaks over himself and speaks over people. This verse I'm about to share with you right now is what I meditate on and I confess in my life every day. Every day. And this is what Isaiah says in uh, uh, 61.1. He says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to, comf- uh, to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives and that will be released and prisoners will be freed. I have been anointed. I have been chosen to speak truth, to preach the word, to share about Jesus. That's making it priority in your life. When you, make, when you make that a declaration in your life, something stirs up in you. <laughs> something stirs up in you to the point where nothing's just going to hold you back anymore. And I'm not saying go silly on somebody and, 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 and start making things weird. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying listen to the voice of the Father in your circumstance and do what he says. There's not a cookie-cutter way to do this. It's a personal way on how to do it. And when you do that, people, you'll see God work in their life. You'll see it. And when you do that and when you follow through, God's kingdom advances and you had a part to do with it. And you can thank God for that. You know, I'm going to do something I wasn't planning to do, but I think it's important. Can you put up Isaiah 61.1 again, please? We're all going to repeat this together, okay? We're going to confess this in our life. Put yourself in the place of uh, the prophet Isaiah. Now, you're that person right now, okay? And let's say this together on the count of three and make it personal in your life. You ready? One, two, three. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. Now stop for a second. Does anybody envision Jesus? That's exactly what he did. And didn't we say, didn't uh, Dinah say earlier today that we don't walk alongside with Jesus, or Jesus doesn't walk alongside us? He's not just with us, he's in us. There it is, it's your new identity, it's your mission. Now your job is to pray for those people 
Okay? Pray for those people. Don't worry about what people think. <laughs> and make this a priority in your life. And when we do that, we find fulfillment. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father.